Who's encouraged by the presence of Jesus today? Thank you, Lord, for being in your house. We make ultimate room for you, Jesus. This is your house. I hope you get really blessed all the way through the whole time together here. And uh, I'm excited about today's message. Before I get into it, though, I've got to mention a couple things. One, uh, we have that big meeting coming up on Monday, May 15th. in eight days, congregational membership meeting. We need you there. Uh, it's about our denominational matter, and we need to update you. Our board and myself are going to share with you important information. Please come. So elbow the person beside you and say, you're going, right? Go ahead. Let them know. You're going. May 15th. Register on our website and uh, let us know that you're coming. If you forget to, show up. But it helps us if you register. Hey, I want to celebrate Soul Care Weekend here in this church. Uh, Thursday night, all day Friday and Saturday. Phenomenal things have happened. We had a large group of people here taking in Soul Care, which is one of our main discipleship pathways. Getting freedom in Jesus. (laughs) And we just celebrate with all of our friends who went through Soul Care what God has done for you. It's amazing and, and so, so, so good. I talked to Nathan And I I just thanked him for uh, all that he put in, uh, teaching and leading, and his whole team with him, Nathan and Sandra, his wife, Matt and Lavina Polsky, also teaching and leading. Uh, And then Bruce and Vange Polsky, Matt's parents, were here from Edmonton. They were part of that. Uh, Then there's Ryan and Greg and Matt Cameron and the worship team. Can we just give a big thank you to all these people? Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. And we have a friend in the house today. I just want to mention him because it's too, it's too important not to mention him. We have Samuel Robinson from Voice of Revival here. Yeah. He's just in town, and he wanted to go to church, so he ended up here. Dude, we love you so much, so much. And we are partnered tightly together with Voice of Revival. I don't know of a better ministry in Canada that is touching the heart of of the harvest and bringing people in and doing that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love this man, love his wife, and we're just honored to be with you. So, so, so good. Hey, turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. We're in our series called Greater Vision, and we're paying attention to how we can receive vision from God, and release vision through our lives. Remember, we learned about God as the source of all great vision. And it's possible for us to do this. We can actually become visionary people. And so all of us can and need to and should have a compelling, clear, heaven-sent vision that is shaping our lives. And in message number one, we looked at you know, how God gives vision. We looked at the prophet uh, Habakkuk. Remember that one, right? You got to receive the vision, you got to record the vision, and you got to run with the vision. And then last week we looked at Nehemiah, uh, how the vision gets you, right? How it actually sort of seeps into your heart and you can't shake it. And uh, we learned a lot of great things about vision from Nehemiah. Today we're changing it up a bit and we're looking at how you seize the moment of vision and I'm calling this message, it's time to run. Now, I gotta ask this at the beginning here. I need some energy in this room today, okay? I need you to stay on your tiptoes 
and ready and receptive to whatever God wants to do. Who's into that? Would you, would you agree with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. With that in mind, I want to read from Jeremiah chapter 12 at verse 5. All right. Here's what it says. If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? <laughs> if you stumble in a safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? Let me read this from the Amplified Bible, which expands it a little bit further. If you have raced with men on foot and they've tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace where you feel secure, then how will you do among the lions in the flooded thicket beside the Jordan? It's a call for us to go to the next level of response to God's vision for our lives. It's something that we need to intentionally do, not just half-heartedly. So can I be honest with you guys here just for a moment? Just like, just honest moment here. This message, we've got to really, really grab a hold of. I feel that there's a kingdom thing at stake here. I think God is going to use this portion of his word to amplify what he's saying and to accelerate, because I think we're in a season of acceleration. Like, you know, this is like the, the reaper is overtaking the plowman kind of thing. I think we're in a season of acceleration when it comes to the vision of God and the vision he has for us as a church and the vision he has for us in our lives individually. But we're gonna have to go to another level. Are you with me? Can we do this journey together? Say yes. Yes. We're gonna do it together. This is exactly what Jeremiah faced when he heard those words. I think he was in the same headspace that many of us get into every now and then. It's kind of like, Man, life's hard at times. Life's peculiar. Life is weird. If you know the story of Jeremiah, you know that he was called as a prophet as a young man. Could have been 12 years old, could have been 15. And when the Lord called him in chapter one of Jeremiah, he said, ah, you know, Lord, I'm too young, I'm only a youth. And God said, don't say you're only a youth. Can all the youth agree with me on that? Right? God would say to you, don't say I'm only a youth. You will go where I send you to go, and you will do what I ask you to do. And God put upon Jeremiah this calling to be a prophet to the nations. It was not an easy assignment. And he said, you're going to have the anointing to tear down and to build up. I call Jeremiah uh, the wrecking ball prophet. <laughs> have you ever met one? A wrecking ball prophet. They come in and they see what's not of God and they expose it and they say, get it out of the way and then they help rebuild you towards that. That's a special calling. Jeremiah had that calling. And so he went through life and not everybody liked him. Not everybody understood his motives. They had this name for him. They called him, his nickname was Terror on Every Side. So they say, here comes Terror on Every Side. They threw him in a cistern one day, which was like a water tank. They had to lift him out of there with ropes later on. He, you know, in chapter 11, he had death threats. It's like God said to him, oh, by the way, there's some people that want to kill you. And he's like, oh, dear. God's like, don't worry about them. I'll deal with them. Thank you, God, that you'll deal with my enemies, right? So he has this hard assignment. I think he's getting kind of weary at chapter 12 of the kind of life that he's living 
And God says to him, you know, Jeremiah, if you have raced with men on foot and that's worn you out, like how in the world are you going to run with horses? And it's a call to next level engagement with the vision of God for our lives. Some of you know exactly what this is like. You've been obeying God, you've been doing what you're supposed to do, you've been pressing on and pressing through and all of that, and sometimes you hit a wall, right? You hit a wall of no capacity or a wall of exhaustion or a wall of confusion or a wall of uncertainty. Am I talking to anyone in the room? And you have a choice to make in those moments. Either you're going to burst through the gates that are holding you back and you're going to press into greater vision or you're going to find yourself stepping to the side. Jeremiah pressed through. And I'm so glad that he did because he's an example to us. He finished well. Can I be honest with you? I'd like to be candid with you and share with you some of my story over the years that's been uh, true for me. I remember in 2012, I had a rough year. Anybody ever have just like a really bad year? I had a really bad year in 2012. It was so bad, I was sitting in a Starbucks on Country Hills Boulevard because there was none in Airdrie, I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, really bad day. And I'm aching with pain inside because there's problems in our church there's staff needs, there's cancer in our leaders, a whole bunch of things, car accidents, and I'm, I'm crying out to God. And I see a side, right in front of me, a, a man comes and sits in my chair. I see him in my imagination, and I know it's an angel. And the angel says to me, this is going to hurt, but it's going to be worth it. I'm like, okay. And I remember buckling in for 2012. And God was doing a deeper work in my own life. He had to get me to a place of saying, okay, anything, anywhere, anytime. Right? Sometimes we just got to get broken down to that point where God can say, now I can build you up. And I, I faced that moment. It was hard. And coming out of it, I realized now I had lost sight of the true kingdom vision for what God wanted to do through me. And I'd made some excuses, I'd put some things on hold, I succumbed to current reality, which is always bad to do. But I want to say to all of us here today, it's something that comes out of this passage here, it is time to run. It is time to run with the horses. It is time not to cave in to pressure or fear or uncertainty or dismay or bad experiences. It is a time to run. And to run with the vision that God gives you and change and align yourself to it so that you can fulfill it. So there's other passages in the Bible that deal with this whole matter of running. You know, running in the scriptures is a metaphor for walking by faith and fulfilling the will of God and even pursuing his vision. And I think we all need to run. But when we run, we should not run like Forrest Gump. Okay? Remember that movie? Yep. Forrest Gump one day just decides I'm going to go running. So he goes running, right? And he runs all over the United States. He grows a beard. People think he's some kind of spiritual guru, so they start following him. They're like, it's the running guru, you know? They're following him all over. They, 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 he doesn't even talk to them. They just go, just follow him. He knows where he's going. And he runs and he runs and he runs for months. 
Finally, he's down some big stretch of highway in the movie. He just stops. And he looks around and he goes, I think I'm going to go home. And he turns around and starts walking home. Everybody's like, what? Like, what are you doing? Because <laughs> he was running without a purpose. He was running without clarity. And I think that's descriptive of so many people in this world. They are running, but they're running without the vision that God has for them. I think it's even true in churches. Christians who should be filled with vision all the time often are running and running and running and getting nowhere. We have to run with purpose and run with vision. Erwin McManus says this, your dreams are God's way of whispering into your soul. There's more to you than you know. There's more available to you than you can imagine. There's an extraordinary life awaiting you if you would just trust me, says the Lord. I love that. And there's many verses in the Bible about running, running the race, running in faith. Let me highlight a few for you. Psalm 119, verse 32, it says, I run in the path of your commands. Habakkuk 2, verse 2, write down the vision on tablets, make it clear that he who reads it may run with it, right? Run with it. Galatians 5, 7, Paul says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying truth? <laughs> and all over the Bible, we see this invitation to the race and to run it. In 1 Corinthians 9, we read this. Paul the Apostle says, verse 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Say amen to that. That's good. Imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should have become disqualified. Wow. We're running a race. It's a race of destiny. There's a destination to it. There's a fulfillment clause to it. There's something that God has hardwired into your heart. There is a vision from heaven inside of you right now that is ready to go to a whole other level of explosion. Amen. And I just really believe that we're living in a season here in this region, in Airdrie, Calgary, North region especially, when it's like there's this portal that's open over us and I, I know I've used this verse last week, but it's like, you know, uh, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And it's kind of like, it's in the air. There's so many of you that are receiving from God your life's calling, your life's destiny, your life's purpose, your life's mantle, your gifts. It's all happening right these days. It's amazing. I've been here a long time. I've never, ever seen it so strong as it is right now. So I'm just encouraging you, press into that. Don't miss it. If you haven't gotten in on it yet, ask God about it. Say, God, what's my portion here? Come hungry, right? Right? Come hungry. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher and theologian, 
We can learn things from these guys. He said this. He believed that boredom was the root of all evil. In other words, boredom isn't just boring, it's wrong. And I think, uh, you know, when you describe the life of faith that Jesus called us to, it is anything but boring. Christians cannot really be bored, really, if they're really Christians. You can't be bored. I mean, when you start following Jesus and what he's up to in this world, going after a harvest, right, of souls, setting captives free, healing people of, of illnesses, of setting people free from the demonic realm, all of that. When you see what Jesus is doing and you follow in his footsteps, you will not be bored. You might be scared. <laughs> you might have a little bit of uncertainty, but never bored. So I pray that God would give us like fuel for this and passion for this. We cannot be in the presence of Jesus and live a mundane life. It's not in the story. It's not in the word. Now, I want to take you to a passage that really spoke to me. I told you about it a few months ago. Hebrews 12 at verse 1 especially. I'm sitting in a coffee shop and I, I'm hungering for the Lord. And it was one of those weeks where it's like, I, God, I, I need to hear from you. You ever have those weeks like, God, I haven't heard clearly from you for about a week and a half. It's time to hear from you. And I heard the Lord say, okay, I'll speak to you. And I said, good. He said, out of the Bible. I'm like, okay, that's good. Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, I open it up and I read this. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Say every weight. Every weight. Every weight. And the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. When God gave me that verse, and I'd read it a thousand times, it came with Rima word power. I think I texted Sammy and I said, I've just had a life-changing moment with God out of Hebrews 12.1. It landed inside of me and there was a choice I had to make. Will I obey it? Because it called me to do something. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles or ensnares. And I started thinking about all the things that I needed to, you know, hand over to God. And God's like, hand them over to me now. I said, without a plan? He said, yes. And I'm like, okay. And I made a decision in my heart that I would lay aside some weights that I, were, I was carrying. They were, they were weights that I was supposed to carry for a while. But God said to me, you are no longer supposed to carry those weights. And I said, good. I'm giving them over to you, Lord. I don't know how this is going to work out, but it's done. Yeah, there was a joy that hit my life that day that has never left. And so when I read lay aside every weight, I'm like, yeah. It's good. It's good for you to lay aside the weights. Weights are encumbrances. They're heavy things that you either carried for a while because you had to or you should never have carried them. And there's all kinds of weights being carried by all kinds of people these days. Some good, some not so good. I think we can relate to that. Time to lay aside every weight. This is our time to run. I don't know if you noticed this in the beginning of Hebrews 12.1. It says, seeing that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Okay, so what, what's that? Like, great cloud of what? Uh, witnesses. The word is marturio in the original, and it means martyr. 
So we often think about martyrs as those who lose their lives for Jesus' sake, and it includes that. But some martyrs for Jesus don't get killed for Jesus, but they are still martyrs because they're witnesses. And the writer of Hebrews says, in effect, take a look around you in the realm of heaven and realize that you are surrounded by a great company of witnesses. Therefore, run the race. I don't know if you know this, but man, the church is so much bigger than the amount of people gathering in church buildings. <laughs> right? It's so big, the church. It's so massive. And there's the saints that have gone on to heaven, and they're there, and we'll get to see them. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I love the fact that we are connected to the saints in heaven. Did you know that we're connected? Yeah, we're connected through Jesus. It's family up there, right? And I, I like how the Anglicans put it. They call it the communion of the saints. And by that, they don't mean the bread and the cup. They mean the fellowship of the believers on earth and in heaven, which is happening in real time. There is some kind of union between us. Can't fully understand it, this side of ultimate heaven, but it's real. We're connected and in light of that, the, the writer of Hebrews says, seeing that we're surrounded by these kinds of people, you better run your race. It's our turn to run. And the imagery here, I believe, is of a, of a, of a relay race, right? An Olympic relay race where you've got the baton, runner number one goes, hands off to number two, to number three, to number four, and then there's that last lap on the track. I remember being in grade five and six in we had this thing called field day. Anybody else have field day when you're growing up? Oh man, there's lots of you. Field day, which in our small town in Manitoba meant 80 people went out to the school grounds and we did a bunch of things. <laughs> there were sacks that you jumped in and you know, like three-legged races and all that. But then there was the relay race. And it was always a question, would the grade five boys outrun the grade six boys? With the relay race, sometimes they did. And you know, it starts with that one person going around, and then they got to hand it off. Sometimes the baton is dropped, and then the next person picks it up, and then they go around, another person picks it up. You do that all the way through, and you get to the last person, and the crowd is on the sidelines, and they're cheering on the runner, right? That's the imagery. So question, are we living in the last generation before Jesus returns? We better live like we are. He could return any time. He is coming back. And the scriptures tell us to live with imminence, which means at any moment, he could burst through the heavens. Therefore, we must run the race like we're the last one on the track. Are you with me? We have to run this race like once we cross the finish line, it's over and we're out of here. And that cloud of witnesses, they're looking at us and they're saying, don't drop the baton. It's been passed to you. It is your turn to run. Kingdom City, I'm saying this to you. It is our turn to run. It is our turn to run. God has a destiny for this church that's different from any other church. We have said yes to that years ago and it's increasing in front of our eyes. It's expanding. I can't believe all the amazing things God does. It's just like soul care, just yesterday and Friday and Thursday, awesome. 
Um, we have staff meeting every Wednesday. We share testimonies and stories. We hear of usually two, sometimes three healings every week. Every week. Some of them never get mentioned here, but they're happening all the time. God is putting mantles on some of our people. God is drawing world changers here. Greg talked about world changers. There are world changers landing in our church. You know who you are. Don't be embarrassed about it. Don't avoid it. You're a world changer. God is bringing people here with fantastic giftings and experience and loads of passion and vision for their serve in the kingdom. God's raising up people to serve him in the marketplace, serve his kingdom in business, serve the kingdom in government, serve the kingdom in arts, media, and entertainment, serve the kingdom in education, serve the kingdom in the family, and serve the kingdom in the church. It's all kingdom. We don't have a vision that's just for a church. We have a vision for the kingdom. And there are people who've gone ahead of us, and wow, we can't wait to meet some of those people. When I think about who I want to meet in heaven, I think, well, I want to go see Charles Finney, the guy from the Second Great Awakening. I want to go see George Whitfield. My son Ryan, who used to live in the Boston area, said, Dad, you got to go to Newburyport and see George Whitfield's bones in a church. I'm like, what? George Whitfield's bones are there. First thought was, so what? But second thought was, well, that's kind of interesting. So I went down there and, you know, I'm not into relics and I'm not into that kind of stuff, but I thought I'll honor the memory of George Whitfield. Great preacher, preached outdoors to hundreds and thousands of people. I get there, building's locked, it's a Friday night, but I'm from Canada and I'm a pastor, so I'm gonna use my trump card, right? I pound on the windows and the door. Finally, I find a door that's open. I go in there, the janitor's there. He goes, what are you doing in here? I said, I'm a pastor from Canada. I came to see George's bones. And he's like... You know we're closed? I go, yeah. He said, come on down to the crypt. I went down the stairs to the crypt, and he opens up a door. He says, there they are. And I look in there. Yeah, his bones are in there. Okay, I saw them. It's on record in my phone. I videoed it. <laughs> They're really there. And then I thought, you know, why, what am I going to do with this? Like, what does this mean? Like, I don't believe we should live in the past. But is it okay to get inspired from some of the great people that have walked with God? I I hope so. So I went up in the chapel of Old South Church, his church, and I knelt down on the red carpet and I said, oh God, can we have a great awakening in Canada? Just like they had in New England? How about that, God? I'll say yes. I'll run. I'll put my life out there for that, God. Come on, Jesus. Can we have a great awakening in this nation? Yes, we can, and yes, God wants it, therefore, we run into it. We get going. So when I get to heaven, I'm going I'm to go look up George, I'm going to look up Jonathan Wesley, I'm going to look up Martin Luther and Calvin and a whole bunch of people. I had this thought, though, as I was preparing this message, we always think about, you know, uh, giving the honor to those who have gone before, but there's going to come a moment when some of you are going to step into heaven And some of these people are going to come and look for you. They're going to say, it's you. I've been waiting to meet you. I I, I heard what happened in 2023 in the Airdrie, Calgary region. When the Great Awakening started to happen in Canada, I heard about it. And you were part of it. Can, Can I just spend like a year with you up here in heaven? You yourself carry a great vision within you. 
Though we talk about receiving vision from God and God wants to give us lots of visions, I want to say this to you. Your life is a vision. Your life is a calling from God. It is a heaven-designed assignment that is so custom-wired for you, it's like when you get in that sweet spot, you're like, I can't do anything else I don't want to. That's vision. And it ought to burn in us. So it says, lay aside every weight. Lay aside every encumbrance and also the sin that so easily entangles. And the way that those words are formed, it means that there is a specific sin that so easily trips up some believers. And we can't make excuses for it. We can't just say, oh, it's my Achilles heel. This is what's going to happen. This side of heaven. No, 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 no. Right? Should we sin more that grace be increased? No, by no means, right? And so it's like the writer of Hebrews is saying, pay attention to this. You who want to run your race, pay attention to the sin that so easily ensnares you. Because there is one, usually. It's just, it's that thing, right? It's that temptation. It's that, it's that slip up. It's that, it's that overindulgence, whatever it is. The good news is you can break that habit. You can be free from it through the power of Jesus. But you have to lay it aside. Maybe that's a decision that some of us need to make today. We're gonna lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us and keeps us from running. Some of you are one victory away from a whole different level of life in the kingdom. Wow. And I encourage you, breakthrough through the power of Jesus. Paul the Apostle went through soul care. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) I checked on it. Philippians chapter three. Here's his soul care passage. Probably not the only one. Philippians 3, verse 12. This is Paul, the giant, right? He says this. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Here it is. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's race language. He knew that he had to lay aside things. He knew that he had to forget things from the past. What were those things? Well, his resume, right? Tribe of Benjamin, Pharisee of Pharisees, brilliant theologian, like trained in the Hebrew scriptures his whole life. By the way, I find it interesting that when it came to the, the apostles being chosen by Jesus and then Paul coming in later, that Jesus makes Paul the apostle to the Gentiles, not to the Jews. Like his whole life was training for Judaism. And then Peter, who never even went to Bible college, he becomes primarily the apostle to the Jews, not the Gentiles. I'm like, God, why would you do that? And it's like God would say, just trust me, it works. In other words, Paul, you cannot rest on your education. You cannot rest on what you've learned and the traditions you've got and all that stuff that's been handed to you because as Paul even says with his own words, I count that stuff but rubbish. He, he, he knew that his ability to fulfill the vision came from a dynamic in the moment relationship with the living Jesus Christ and his power. 
But if you think you've got an embarrassing past, you should, you should identify with Paul because, you know, Paul, before he was, Paul was Saul and he persecuted Christians, had them put in prison, had their property confiscated. It tells us in the Bible that he was giving consent to Stephen's death. Stephen was the first martyr. Paul's like, let it happen. And they stoned Stephen. Paul has a past that's embarrassing. Paul could have been riddled with shame his whole life. Paul could have said, I can't run my race. Uh, my, my previous life was so bad that I will never be able to be used by God. Nope. That's not how God works. God changes us radically through the new birth, puts a calling on our life, fills us with his spirit, and says, I'm gonna use you to do things that you would never ever dream about. Jesus fulfilled his vision. The Bible says that he set his face like a flint to the cross. He's like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go all the way in redeeming humanity. I'm gonna shed my blood for the sins of the world and I will be raised by my father. And he embraced all of that. That's why it says we should focus on him, right? Hebrews 12, two. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus fulfilled the vision and then ascended into heaven and then released with the Father the Holy Spirit upon the people of God so that we can go out with the vision of God and see the whole assignment through. What Jesus began, we will complete. But you have to ask yourself, how engaged are you with that kind of vision? It's going to take a lot of focus on Jesus, right? Not focus on preparation, not focus on resources. They all matter, but we have to focus on Jesus. Erwin McManus says this, the word focus comes from the Latin word that means hearth or fireplace. In other words, the burning center. The hotter your burning center, the more focused you will be in your life. Well, I just want to have a little fireside chat with you here. <laughs> How's the fire inside of you? How's that fire doing? If you're a believer, there is fire in you somewhere. It has to be because the Spirit of God lives in you. And he's the Spirit that brings fire. How's the fire going in you? How, how's that, how's that bonfire increasing in your life? Uh, you know, are you fanning into flame the gifts of God that are in you, as Paul said to Timothy? Is there heat inside of you? Is there a burning flame inside of you that is just getting a little hotter every time that you open your Bible or pray a prayer? Don't be embarrassed. Put up your hand. Yeah, there's lots of you. God is so touching so many of our people right now. I see you guys as on fire. You're on fire with the presence of God. And vision is just landing on you. Embrace it all. Let it shape you. Let it take you where it's supposed to take you and do through you what it's supposed to do. Just be hot. I think Christians should be hot. Uh, you know, for those of you under 30, you're like, oh, that's, that's a problem. Right? You know what I mean. Can we just get hot? Come on. Let, let's get really hot today. Come on. 
let's get really, 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 really hot today. I, I want that fire to just increase in this church to a whole nother level. And then next week, it's going to go to another level. <laughs> you might say, as I've said to myself, I don't have energy for this. That is a very Western Canadian thing to say. There's a cultural reality associated with that. I don't have energy for this. I think that is a script that goes on in a lot of people's minds in this part of our country. I'd like to do it, but I can't. I don't have time and energy. Right? Am I talking to the choir here? Yeah. It's just, I guess, got a lot going on. I'm really tired and I'm exhausted. I know that feeling. I have battled that. I've won my battles, but I've had to battle that for years, and sometimes I was overdoing things and not trusting God, and sometimes it was just heavy loads, and you know, there's like the enemy's at work there, and he's tormenting you with pressure. So some of us were at a prophetic conference this weekend, and it was said there, and I, I agree with it, they identified a spirit in this region, and the spirit's name was resistance. Resistance to the people of God. And what that means and what that looks like on the ground is this. Christians have to work so hard, try so feverishly to just advance a little bit. It's disproportionate work for the results you get. Does that make sense? I have battled through that. In fact, three weeks ago, I was, I was breaking that off of Airdrie and Calgary. I was, I was breaking that stronghold. I, I didn't call it resistance but I renounced a spirit of exhaustion, a spirit of fatigue, a spirit of weakness, a, sp- a spirit of, 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 of making you just feel like you're about to collapse. And I believe that some of you need that broken off you today because it's keeping you from running. And God's called you to run. And I'm not talking about, you know, there are times when you need to do some rest and Sabbath and I believe in all that and I do it. But I'm talking here about victory over the darkness. Victory over the realm that says, no, you can't do that. You don't have the energy for that. You're not gonna, guess what? It's not my energy anyways. I don't have to bring it. I'm involved. Apparently, God likes to flow through people like flow through me. <laughs> I remember when I was 20 years old, I, was at, I got a job in a logging camp and I begged God for it. Probably too hard. Sometimes God gives you what you want, but maybe not what you need. So he gave me the logging job. I'm living on Vancouver Island, and I got a job logging. I just wanted to tell people that I was a logger. That's, why, that's the only reason. <laughs> so I go to the logging camp. This is kind of like fly you in type place, very remote. And, you know, like there's a couple hundred people there in the camp, and I'm put on the training crew. It's called the Bull Gang. And uh, they teach you how to be loggers. And they give you about a week to get it. And if you don't get it, they fire you and send you to the tree planters camp. And I'm like, well, God gave me the job. I'm, I'm going to be a logger. And my, my, my male humanity is on the line here. My maleness. So I show up at work first week. I'm hanging, you know, straw wire and pulling cables up the mountain. I'm carrying things for everybody else. And, and then one day my hook tender says to me, his name was Jimmy Cairns. He said, Alex, because I went by that name back then. I want you to take that block and I want you to go up that mountain, and I've notched a stump, and I want you to hang the cables on it and get it ready before lunch. That's how loggers talk to one another. <laughs> they yell. I'm like, okay, Jimmy, I'll do it. By the way, I weigh 130 pounds. The block weighs 80. 
But I'm of Icelandic descent, so nothing intimidates me. So. <laughs> so he leaves, and I go to pick up the ball. I'm like, oh, this is so hard. I've done it once before in training class when people were watching. I slithered it up here on my shoulders. And he said before, he like, oh, by the way, there's a, there's a log across the ravine. Instead of going all the way down and up, just, just walk across with the log. <laughs> yes, sir. So he's gone. I'm walking across. I go to the log. It's only eight inches thick. And I got spikes in my boots. And I'm like, oh, God, help. I'm a new believer, by the way. I'm a brand new Christian in a logging camp. I start walking. I'm doing the balancing act. And at, halfway through, I get shaky. I just let the whole block fall to the bottom of the ravine. And then I'm like, oh, sick. So I jump down into the ravine, 25 feet. So I'm down there in the green foliage of Vancouver Island, down in some ravine. And I know that if I don't get this block up there, I'm going to be a tree planter. <laughs> and I'm like, no, sir, I am not going to be a tree planter. Not that there's anything wrong with tree planting. Got to be a Canadian, right? Just, okay. So anyways, I'm down in the ravine. It's 25 feet down. It's rocky and, and hard to navigate. And I said, God, I need your help. I didn't know how to pray. I just said, Lord, I, I need this. I need, I need your strength in my life. I didn't have physical strength for this. And I remember picking up the block and getting it up here, and I couldn't hold it, and I dropped it like two, three times. The final time, I got a little mad at it. And sometimes, you know, you need to get mad at some things. And I think God was waiting for me to get to that point where I said, Jesus, I need your power right now. And I went, in the name of Jesus, I just picked up the block and put it on my shoulders. And I crawled my way up a ravine, 25 feet, and then another 2,000 feet to the stump that was waiting for me, and I did it. I did it. And I know where that power came from. That power did not come out of Sandy's strength. That was a power from the Holy Spirit energizing my body. I did not qualify for that kind of physical exertion, but God does amazing things. I invite our worship team to come and join me. And I want to let you know this is some good news here. When you're exhausted, when you say, I can't run the race, guess what? God will give you his strength to step back on the track. And we got to grab a hold of that and receive that by faith and allow Holy Spirit to energize us in our bodies, in our souls, through the Holy Spirit within us so that we can get going, so that we can fulfill our destiny, so that we can be the people who do reach that finish line and Jesus will return. Today is a day when it's a moment to say, I'm ready to run. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, it says, Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But note this. I want you to hear these words as I speak them over you. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Can we give Jesus praise for that? Wow. It's time to run. And in the name of Jesus, we renounce any strongholds of the enemy in this region. We renounce principalities and powers that try to paralyze the people of God. Spirit of resistance, you're out of here. Spirit of weakness and exhaustion, leave. You have no room here. And Lord, I pray that you would descend upon us with your invigorating power. It's already in us, but Lord, let it come upon us as well and invigorate us to run the race. It's time to run. It's time to go forward. It's time to set some fresh goals. If you've competed with men and you've run out of strength, how will you run with the horses? You'll run through the power of God giving you his strength. So we're going to close with a declaration here. I'm going to invite you guys to stand. It's been a while since I've used this declaration, and I think it's a good one for today's message. It's from Mark Batterson, who's a pastor in Washington, D.C. I've found nothing like this thing. And you can, let's put it up on the screen. I want you to start looking at it. We're going to say it together. And I want to ask you to say it with the boldest, lion-like, roaring, faith-releasing voice that you've got. Because we're going to run today, right? Who wants to run? Yep. In the name of Jesus, we're going to run. Then our worship team is going to sing over us and we're going to respond. Give me a sec. Okay. Let's say it together. Say it like you mean it. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-ordained passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Keep asking questions. Keep making mistakes. Keep seeking God. Stop pointing out problems and become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past. Start creating the future. Stop playing it safe and start taking risks. Expand your horizons. Accumulate your experiences. Enjoy the journey. Find every excuse you can to celebrate everything you can. Live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Don't let fear dictate your decisions. Take a flying leap of faith. Come on, let's say it. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Go all in with God. Go all out with God.
Amen, Lord.